Oh my god, you love rom-coms? I love rom-coms. Let's be best friends. I'm Erin Bingham. Join me as I sit down with a friend, industry professional, or some random I've found off the street as we get far too excited about the romantic comedy films we love. So for the first episode of We Love Rom-Coms, I've decided to set myself up to fail. We're going straight to the top. Regarded as probably one of the greatest rom-coms of all time, When Harry Met Sally came out in 1989 and has remained the gold standard of character and story archetypes in romantic comedies. Written by the queen of rom-coms, Nora Ephron, the film was directed by Rob Rayner and stars Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan as Harry and Sally, respectively. There's also Bruno Kirby and the amazing Carrie Fisher in the sporting roles of best friends, something that you see a lot in rom-coms. A quick synopsis of the film, you know, if you've been living under a rock. So we start with Harry and Sally meeting. Actually, you know what? I'm going to let them describe the film for you. The first time we met, we hated each other. No, you didn't hate me. I hated you. The second time we met, you didn't even remember me. I did too. I remembered you. The third time we met, we became friends. We were friends for a long time. And then we weren't. And then we fell in love. In the truest of rom-com tropes, Harry and Sally are opposites. Sally is optimistic and romantic, and Harry is cynical and kind of a douche. Harry doesn't believe that men and women can be friends. Men and women can't be friends because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him too. After their first meeting, they both go their separate ways in New York. Cut to five years later when they run into each other again. They're both in their mid-twenties and they're both in relationships. Sally has a boyfriend and Harry is about to be married. Cut again to five years after that and they're both freshly out of those relationships. They run into each other again and they both need a shelter to cry on and a sympathetic ear. Harry and Sally decide to become friends, but then after they get to know each other, they sleep together. I need to talk. What happened? What's the matter? Harry came over last night. I went over to Sally's last night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting married. One thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were kissing and then... To make a long story short, we we did it. They did it. Sally is all in. But Harry has other ideas. He's freaked out about sleeping with Sally. So they stop talking. And then he realises that he's actually in love with her. And races to be with her on New Year's Eve... And we get this magic moment. Note the beautiful song choice. With all your thoughts, I love you still. It has to be. I've been doing a lot of thinking. And the thing is, I love you. What? I love you. How do you expect me to respond to this? How about you love me too? How about I'm leaving? Doesn't what I said mean anything to you? I'm sorry, Harry. I know it's New Year's Eve. I know you're feeling lonely, but you just can't show up here. Tell me you love me and expect that to make everything all right. It doesn't work this way. Well, how does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely. And it's not because it's New Year's Eve. 
I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. You see? That is just like you, Harry. You say things like that and you make it impossible for me to hate you. And I hate you, Harry. I really hate you. So you can't see it, obviously, but they're kissing and it's a happy ending and yay. So joining me today on the podcast via Skype to talk about when Harry met Sally is my good friend, Georgina Isles. Welcome to the podcast, George. Hi, Erin. Nice to talk to you. Hi. Welcome. Um, So you and I met while we were doing the advanced diploma of script editing and development at Afters which was a really great course that we did. Um, do you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself? I'd love to. Um, so, yeah, my name's Georgina. Um, I've been a film practitioner for 15 years, mostly in the production department. Um, but during that time, I've also uh, produced a number of short films and was developing uh, a number of feature films and TV projects. And that's the reason why I did the actors course uh, was to improve my uh, development skills as a creative producer. Um, so I have always loved rom-coms from uh, the very beginning of time Um And I also have to say that I look at things through a fairly culturally sensitive lens, mostly intersectional feminism, um, you know, race, gender, the whole Mm -hmm. shebang. So um, I am very attuned to uh, things that are problematic, but also very aware of my own privilege within that paradigm. That's me. That's why I love chatting to you. Yes. (laughs) We we had a few interesting discussions over a few of the films that we um that we looked at while we were studying. Um, (laughs) But today we're going to talk about when Harry met when Harry met Sally, which um obviously went through the script editing process and got made into a film in 1989. So um I'm interested about how you think the film has dated? Oh, that's a good question because I, I didn't – I think it's I think it's great. I think, still think it works perfectly. Um, and other, other than it's really, really white and really heteronormative. Like that's the only thing that to me stands out as it being um, dated because the clothes are back in fashion. Um and, you know, obviously they don't have mobile phones. But it's such a simple <laughs> film. It's so simple. Nothing happens in it. And, like, we'll talk about this a bit because it's the thing that struck me so much uh, on the rewatch. Um, and so when nothing happens, it's hard for it to date. Yeah. yeah what do you I think? always think it's like, – and, and it's also, aside from Annie Hall, it's, it is the archetypal thing. It's the one that everyone tries to emulate. So yes, exactly. I think that's hard when, when you are the, I forget, I'm not getting the right word that I want to use here, but when you are that film, you don't, it doesn't date. You know, Amelie isn't going to date. Like another sort of film that was uh-huh. the first of its oeuvre. Oh, yes, I got yes. the text. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, did you find it had dated on, on your rewatch? 
Um, I did often have the thought about mobile phones. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. And also, I think possibly the whole men and women can't be friends thing yes. changed yes. a little bit. Yes. Now, that's actually one of the questions I had for you. Do you think men and women can be friends? Oh, my God. This is, I mean, are you ready? Are you ready? For, like, <laughs> this it. is going deep. Bring it. One of the reasons I love this film so much and what I've figured out on this rewatch is that it is about the philosophy about men and women and what they're like. And I believe, and I'm, I might be very wrong because there might be some um, older films that, touched on this that I have not had a chance to see, like films made by diverse filmmakers that I've not been able to see. Um, but the idea of can men, men and women be friends, that's been repeated so often in so many films and like if we, and Sex in the City, obviously. Um, the high maintenance versus low maintenance. Like, so it's basically the whole film is vignettes about relationship philosophy, like how do you mm-hmm. people. With men and women being friends, this is like this is another reason why I think I love this film is that I have struggled with this concept my entire life and always having very, very, very close male friends um, that either that never were sexual, but there was always some form of attraction, usually on my side. So that's been a very interesting slash painful journey for me through my teens and 20s and it would be I would have been in my 20s I think when I watched this film maybe late teens but very much in that zone of having these male friends mm. that I wanted a lot of this comes back to how I see myself as a as a yeah. woman and sexual being and stuff like I wanted them like I wanted them to be like yeah men and women can't be friends because I'm going to want to try and sleep with you and they never were do you think do you think that movies have set your your mindset on that topic because Uh, I think I've had male friends that I am like oh he's a male get on really well and like my brain automatically skips the stage where I actually fall for them and I convince myself I do like them because it's like I've seen so many romantic comedies where that the setup is their friends and then friends to lovers Uh, so do you think Film has a like a bit of a not it's like the not, voice in the back of your head. No, I think oh, this is this is deep. Um, <laughs> Can I roll? I liked the boys first. I maybe look maybe there is something in that, but but the moment those guys and some of them are still my closest friends, and it's all platonic now, and that's all fine. Others aren't. Um, the moment there is a connection, I'm and they're hot. I mean, even if they're not hot, like whatever. Like if there's a moment there's a connection, <laughs> an intellectual connection, like I'm in. So I don't know whether that's informed by movies or by some other deep-held dumb stuff that I'm working through in therapy. Yeah. The thing that I've always thought about movies is like the transformation myth stuff is really strong with me. Like so, I've always been like I'm really undoing. Um, unlearning the idea that if I um, look better according to those standards, I will then be lovable, like that for me. Yeah. Um, and the thing with When Harry Met Sally is can men and women be friends? Like I remember I started um, writing a fucking blog 
thing before blogging was even a thing. I started writing it out like an essay. It's an essay. Uh, Can men and women be friends? Like, and I was going to track the um, trajectory of this one particular friendship. Um, like the answer to me for me now is yes, one hundred percent. Men and women can absolutely be friends because I have um, a big handful of of men, cis white men, who are my closest, very close, close friends, um, who are divine and caring and most of them are in relationships and the one, the, I think there's only one that isn't, um, they're all brotherly. I sometimes hang out with their partners but not often. Often I just have coffee with them. Yeah, and Actually, that's a question. They all have partners. All of them except do you for think, one. Yeah, do you think if they didn't have partners, it would be different. So um, say, for example, in when Harry met Sally, if Harry had stayed married and they had mm. become friends, would mm. that romantic relationship have formed? I think... Mm. Are you a believer in the heart wants what the heart wants? Ooh. Um, yeah. Not anymore, no. Not, not when I'm a few months away from turning 39 and, and still have not managed to have a single relationship in my life. Um, I think that the heart is stupid and that true <laughs> yes. is, is, a, is, um, is highly, is, it has to be managed very carefully. Um, mm. I don't yeah, just put you I'm, on the spot. I'm looking at, no, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining all these fellows and I'm like, I don't think there's any of them that would, um, Oh look, maybe if 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 we were both single and the and that and that connection was was wonderful and and then we spent more time together, yeah, maybe that would become romantic. But it certainly isn't sex getting in the way in the way that the, he um, the binary that he sort of puts forward in that conversation, which is sex always gets in the way. Men are always trying to sleep with you, even if you, they don't find you attractive, they still want to fuck you. I think that is very very outdated. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think over the last, you know, twenty it's nearly twenty years since it came well, it is twenty years since it came out. Um I think that has changed a lot. Um thirty years. Oh my god, math. This is why I study writing. (laughs) Mathematics, what? Mathematics. Also, my god, that makes me feel old. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh mate, don't even go there. Actually, I'm going back to a point you made mm-hmm. about not really having been in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm in the same boat. Like mm-hmm. I'm 34, never been on a date, like nothing. Um, but I'm obsessed with romantic comedies mm-hmm. and romance. Mm-hmm. And I find that both fascinating and frustrating. Yes. Um, yes, it is. And so I think that's really interesting that mm. you're in a similar boat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we're both big fans of romantic comedy despite not really having that in our real lives? Yeah. Um, I There is obviously a fantasy element to that. Um, like I will rewatch Bridget Jones over and over, you know. And I and look when I rewatch When Harry Met Sally, that was not a bore for me. I was like, this is I am in, I am all in. And what I love is that the com comes from the rom. So all the comedy is this sparkling, witty banter between 
the two romantic heroes. And that's the thing that I'm obsessed with. It's mm-hmm. not yeah. – I don't love romantic movies. I like romantic comedies. Same. Same. Yeah. And, that, and I think it's that, that we, when you become an adult, when you grow up as a female who I'm going to assume you also didn't like your body and having yeah. that, having that as a thing and seeing all your friends who, like having that as an insecurity or bigger than an insecurity or whatever, whatever comes after insecurity. Um, and then having friends who are straight-sized and to be honest, I was I'm I am still kind of straight sized, but I've never you know when I you know I had the massive boobs and mm-hmm. like, I yeah. hated my body so much. Um, seeing all my friends who are like have normal bodies for want of a better word, getting partners, and I just assumed it was because of that. Um, you become very attuned to having this personality and yeah. having these conversations. And then, and then what you see, what I feel like I've seen in rom-coms is that paying off, is being funny, being smart, being witty, like being cute, all these things, they pay off. Yeah. It's in romance films, like Meet Joe Black or fucking whatever. I don't even know what other romance films are because I don't really watch them. Like a big sweeping yeah. romance is not my thing. Um, that's all about you're the most beautiful girl in the world. But rom-coms are fun. You across a room and fall in love rather than actually get to know you and fall in love. Yeah. And and in rom-coms they're usually arguing and then they fall in love. And I'm like, well, that's my experience with my male friends or any boy that I've liked has been this, like, a meeting of minds. And Yeah. yeah. And yet all I can think about when you say that, I 100% agree, my brain automatically goes to those guys on Tinder who say they're looking for someone um, to banter with and I'm like, oh, that just means you want to argue. I know. They just want to be mean to you and then have you be like, that's cool, you can be mean. Like they don't know. I'm a cool girl. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a cool girl. Um, But but We want organic banter. Yes, exactly. But but that is what I think we – as as women who didn't or young young girl young women young women not liking our bodies in a place where you know high school is so fucking hard um and you went to high school in canberra yeah yeah um you know and i'm in perth and then there's all these opportunities for us to go to the beach and all this kind of stuff and you know you it's like and pools and all this stuff and um you find another way to be interesting. Um, yes, very true. I was definitely the class clown, if you will. Yeah. Um, especially around the time that I did, because I used to be a swimmer, around the okay. time I stopped swimming and put on a lot of weight, that's when I right. went like full extrovert. <laughs> but it was fake extrovert. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, like, same. And like my extroversion that I've now realised is false um, was all about a fear of being alone. Like I just didn't want to spend time with myself because it was to be by myself was scary. Um, and now we're like, hey, cool, we're introverts. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Oh my god, you stuck god all our for our whole lives. I've never articulated that before. Like that's, but it feels really true. The rom com gives the sassy girl the one mm-hmm. of, and you know another problematic trope, of course, but you know this place to be 
and really flawed, like really flawed, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. Really, like you, That's why I really love When I'm Harry Met Sally is they're both very, very, especially at the beginning when they're younger. Yeah. They both have quite, I guess, obvious flaws. Well, yes. not flaws, but quirks, if you will. Quirks. That yeah. could be annoying. But yeah. I like that by the time they get together, they're older, they recognize yeah. these quirks. A lot of it has calmed down, but also they've accepted the quirks about each other as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they've accepted each other's flaws. Yes. And that's one of my favorite, I guess, my favorite rom-com, I guess, archetypes is yeah. accepting other people's flaws. Yes. Yes. Because, and, and, and the good rom-coms use those flaws in the correct way to bring the comedy out you know, the drama and the comedy comes from those character flaws, whereas in A Sweeping Romance it's always some external barrier that's stopping them from being together. And I think a lot of rom-coms go the wrong way by going, oh, we'll have to make this thing external. It's like, no, no, it's all internal. It has to be all internal. So this is where I come back to there's no action line in When Harry Met Sally. There's no. Like they are just the only reason they hang out together is because they ring each other up and say, let's hang out. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing I mean, forcing them together. I mean, at the first couple of times, but later the, when they actually are in the process of falling in love, definitely, definitely. Like the, you know, the the first act is like coincidences and and yet yeah, time spent together. Um, but after that, once in there, we are in act two and they're friends. They're just friends. Like they just hang out. And but we are still, it's still so engaging. You know, and then the addition of the of the Carrie Fisher and the other guy and. I love I love Carrie Fisher in this film. Mm, I love Carrie Fisher. <laughs> I love obviously we love Carrie Fisher, but this is you know it's such a she's so I think it's so funny like those two are those two find each other and are just like ah cool this is great um, and yeah. when Har- Harry and Sally are still like ooh like still all being neurotic about everything. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, which very much good. suits both of their personalities. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But we find, you know, she's so confident in her quirks and I love that about her. Like she's so like, I like what I like. And I'm like, yes, yep. you do. And when someone asks if they can make me a cup of tea and I tell them exactly how to make that cup of tea, people are like, God, George. I'm like, I like what I like. Like I, I like know, it how I like it. I know what I like. I know how to get that. You are making me a cup of tea. Why wouldn't I just give you the information? So then we both, you get to make me a cup of tea. And I get to drink a tea that yeah. I love. Like, you know, I and always. That's actually based on Nora Ephron. Apparently she does yeah. that. Yeah. And I read a thing that saying she was on a plane and she did exactly what Sally did. Amazing. You know, I want this, I want that. And the the flight attendant's like, oh, my God, have you seen When Harry Met Sally? And <laughs> Nora Ephron is just like, ah, uh, yes. <laughs> so, and actually that's something about this film is it's very much based on both Nora Ephron and Rob Rayner. Um yes their yeah. personalities are poured into these characters, which I think is why they're so authentic. Agreed. You can almost see them both Absolutely. having these conversations. Absolutely. Obviously they didn't fall in love or anything like that, but no. they use yeah. these but characters. I think that's it's a real writerly, philosophical, like let's tease this out. Um, and, you know, Billy Crystal at that age, you know, he's still not hot, but he's he's – it's warm, you know, he's warm and you feel like that's a very, com- you know, it's so comfortable and, and Meg Ryan's not played 
to be really hot. Like, you know, I mean, I suppose she was always cute. Um, she's cute, yeah, but not yeah. like, but you know, she doesn't wear like really tight-fitting clothes and show oh. off her body. It's just, no. it's no. it's organic in the way they fall in love, I guess, the way I, you know, most people do. They get to know each other and fall in love. Exactly, and that's, you know, but I think that, and I think I guess that is potentially the lie that I have uh, bought into where if I spend enough time with someone, they'll fall in love with me. And that has not eventuated. I've spent enough time with them and then they're done. (laughs) (laughs) God, don't, sometimes, I know this sounds so ridiculous and, like, privileged, but sometimes I truly wish I was gay. Oh, my God. Like, all the time. Like, I'm so, I can't see, I, like, I see women and I'm like, ah, yeah, like, uh, like, artwork depicting female love and I'm like oh that looks so nice and like lesbians bedrooms and I'm like oh this is such a nice room and your partner would just be like yeah this is a nice room (laughs) don't even get me started (laughs) on my friends who have kids like it sounds to me like cis men are just the worst um and yet that is my preference it's a real bummer uh so I want to know what it is about when Harry Met Sally, that makes you love this film so much? It's funny. It's so funny. Like, it's the banter. Um, it's wholesome. So, like, it doesn't, do, like, it never devolves into, like, um, game playing or anything. It's so simple. And I think it's like a play. Like, you could watch this on stage, I think, and you'd still get the same from it. Um and so it just feels very intimate and you're there and you're just watching this friendship evolve and it's funny. And, and, and honestly, that's, that's all I need. Like I want my rom-com to be funny. This is, and I think this is the, the beauty of When Harry Met Sally is the casting, you know. So Billy Crystal is hilarious. Meg's the straight foil, so, and she does a great job of that. That scene in the museum, you know, where you see her look to camera because she's like, what is he doing? And and Rob Ryan's yeah. obviously go with it, go with it. Like it's beautiful. Like she's obviously taken by surprise by him over and over. And I think that's the stuff that's funny in Trainwreck. You know, it goes on a bit too long in Trainwreck, but that's the stuff that's funny. It's not the journey. And I think mm. that's I think that's why when Harry Met Sally is so um, ubiquitous is because of its simplicity. And it goes for ninety minutes or less, and you sit and you watch it and you're like, well, geez, I've enjoyed that. Yeah, and you come away with kind of like a happy, squishy feeling. Absolutely. What about you? Why do you love it? Well, pretty much all of that. And I also really like that, to me, they feel like real people. Yes. Like I feel like I'm, like you say, I'm watching this this friendship become organically become a relationship and you know they they've got quirks that normal people have and and like Billy Crystal he's not particularly attractive and yet I would go for Harry you know like like because of his personality which in real life is how it mostly goes um so I think for me it's really about it's this stripped back it's all about the characters and um, I also love this film for New York. Um, okay. 
when I think of when Harry met Sally, my brain automatically goes to the scene where they're walking through the park and it's autumn and it just makes me want to go to New York. (laughs) I think, and I think it did a lot to, for some reason has done a lot, maybe not in the minds of Americans, but I think especially in the minds of, of international people and, and us Australians, like it had romanticized that New York and sort of, I think that possibly Annie Hall, did it first but we probably saw when harry met sally first and didn't watch annie hall till later um but set up you know set up the the foundations for sex in the city like i don't think sex in the city could exist without when harry met sally to be honest like i think that there is a track a lineage there it is definitely a part of it's a part of the film in a way that you know um before sunrise etc is you know venice or vienna or wherever the fuck they are um is a part of the film Okay, yeah. so we've talked about our favourite things. What don't you like about this film? Is there anything? I find the scene where they hook up problematic. He, they sleep together. He has sex with her in a really vulnerable place. And I think that's a big trope that, I think that's a big trope that I have also held on to in a problematic way that if I am sad and scared, a man will come and rescue me with sex. I think that that is something that is problematic in that why that the choices that were made were very of the time. That's a, you know, um, an old school kind of idea that she's sad. He comes to comfort her. It leads to sex. And again, it's so wholesome. Like she gets up and gets him a bottle of fucking Evian. Like she has Evian in the fridge. Like it's just that late eighties, almost prohibition style like they don't drink in any other era they would have got drunk and had sex and so this is where I find it problematic because he's the sex comes from him saving her it's the only thing I would change about the movie if I wanted to remake it now is that that she'd have more agency in that moment and be less vulnerable and it'd be more about she's horny or a bit drunk or something something else other than I'm scared about being alone and so I will sleep with this guy. And, like, he – I think his response – the response is really interesting. Like, they're so intimate when they talk, but then once they have sex, that's too – like, they've, they've changed the intimacy and they can't talk anymore. I find that – that's I thought that was really – that's really interesting and really well done. Um, but that's what I don't like. It's obviously uh, like heteronormative and monogonormative, is that if that's a if that's a term. And I think if someone would have looked at it – yeah, like, and it's like, and it's that idea that they're going to, that everyone has to find a couple in order to be happy. Um, and then, you know, I've always, I've always held on to the the story about the the re-edit of the re uh, the re scripting of the end. You know, the one where you do you know you know the story right? What well, they didn't end up together in the original script, and they oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, they did. So they didn't end up in the original script. They, the, you know, the answer to the question was um, sex ruins friendships and that's how that is and they do not end up together um, and they watched, there was an audience test and the audience didn't like it. And in my 20s I was like, they shouldn't have ended up together, that's not how life is because, you know, I'm all, boys don't love me. But watching <laughs> it at the time and I'm going as a, as a film, as a script writer, as a, as a satisfying audience experience, they should end up together. Yes. And I'm sad they yeah. end up because I, it's the time has, I guess this comes back to the question about has it aged? To me, it's maybe aged better because now it sits out of 
time. And so it's allowed to have a nice ending. Whereas at the time where I was grappling with it, it still felt very current. And I was like, this should have, they should have said, you know, like in my best friend's wedding, you know, mm-hmm. like what a great, and that's really, and that's really satisfying because they set it up right for it to be like that. Like they set it up that she's not going to end up with him. Whereas the whole thing of when Harry met Sally is that you think they're going to end up together. Uh, and they do. And the only problem I have with it is that is the mechanism with which they brought them together. Everything else I just love. Like the music's great. The clothes are cool. Like Meg Ryan looks cool. Like I like her outfits. Um, I the like hat. The, I always think of the hat that she wears. Hat. I like the devices. I like, well, I like the device of the first act of the time jumps. I think that's really good structurally, like, you know, from a, from an act, a three act point of view. I don't like the interviews. They don't they don't feel relevant to me. Like I like because at first you think that they're real couples. You think, oh, they're real couples. Well, you're supposed to think that. But then you, they interview yeah. Harry and Sally at the end. And I'm like, well, that they're not real. Yeah. You know, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan aren't together. And so for me that was always felt like a real letdown. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've just because I, I just associate the film with those interviews like they've never felt out of place to me Mm. because Mm. they've always been there obviously and that's and then even if I see them in other films like those that kind of technique I always think back to when Harry met Sally sure sure yeah I I think I I think the film would be uh, I don't like them Eh. I mean yeah yeah, you're right you could take them out and it would have no dip it would make yeah yeah I mean yeah the interesting thing about when Harry Met Sally is the first act, like it's almost like a prologue and then and then a remeet, you know, like it's always felt quite strange compared to other straight rom-coms where they meet and then they hate each other but they have to work together and then they fall in love through working together. But I, but I think it really works, the idea that they met and they never think they're going to see each other again and then that meeting at the airport and it's like weird and then they, you know, and then they run into each other, and I'm like, and then they, and then they like each other because they've, like you said, they've like grown up enough. Um, no, I think other they had to have those life experiences in between to Agreed. kind of be ready for each other. Agreed, and I think, but I think the way it's executed in the script and in the in the film is was actually quite elegant, especially for something like this that doesn't isn't doesn't have an action line. Like, oh, we're just going to make a movie about two people walking around New York talking. Yeah, like there's no inciting incident for them because there's no No. real place for them to go. Exactly. It's like it's literally just they bump into each other. Um, But we believe that because, you know, because it is New York and it is the thing and, you know, in that scene when he runs into Helen, oh, God, so hard. It's hard to watch. (laughs) It's hard to watch. And that guy she's with, oh. Creep. (laughs) He's such a creep. Um, (laughs) Do you not like about it? If I actually am on the same page as you. I thought the scene where they do get together, I would have liked Billy Crystal's character to kind of say, I'm not going to sleep with you because you are in a vulnerable spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for some reason my brain went to Austin Powers. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Amazing. Um, you know, there's a scene where one of the women is trying to get with Austin Powers and he's like, no, I can't. You know, you've been drinking. It wouldn't be right. <laughs> and the fact that Austin Powers is like the pinnacle of um, 
chivalry for me is yeah, sad but like yeah. when I was watching when I was re-watching When Harry Met Sally the other day I just thought this is where you stop um yeah. and yeah. that and could that, just be of the time like you say I, yeah and I and I think it's that we want him to be the guy who says no but the device needs to play out like you know they need to they get need together. to sleep together they need to yeah together at that moment and so I'd be interesting to go back 30 years, you know, it probably felt completely organic, completely natural and completely in line with the way things thought, people thought about things. You know, I think a lot of things maybe now struggle to bring their characters together in a way that's organic because of because we're so aware of everything. Like if they're drunk, then there's consent issues, you know, like who's the, what is, is it a toxic man? Is it a, you know, are we slut shaming? Are we like all these things come in? And so the problem for me is that that trope has been played out. I'm sure it's been it's been played out played out in multiple ways in different things. And I've internalized that and gone, that man's gonna come and save me. Like it is that savior thing. And to have sex as part of a savior complex, that's really um problematic because of my relationship to men and romance and sex. Uh, but, but everything else, you know, she, I think it's really great when he comes and he's like, I want to be with you. And she's like, I'm not your consolation prize. Like, I think that's great. Like she really pushes back and then he's like, no, but you're not, you know, you're not like, I want to start my life with you. And I want that to start now. Like, and I think that that's very um, honest and pure and fairly elevated for the genre, to be honest, like for yeah. a girl a woman to be like, she's not doing it to to hurt him. She's saying, no, you're not you're not respecting who I am as an individual, you know, she, Sally loves herself. And I think that's, I think that's really, really good. Um, she knows like, who she is and she makes yeah, no apologies. Makes no apologies for it. And and that's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. Um, he's the one with the neuroses, um, but he's hilarious. And then it's, I mean, so it's really his journey. Like he's the one who changes um she say and she stays steadfast in who she is and I think that's I think that is a good message she has this weak moment that brings them together but she still remains who she is and I just that works for me yeah actually that's the question do you think they stay together after the film ends oh fuck I don't know probably probably because they are such good friends like and they've had they probably have a very um how can we talk about everything? And I think that from witnessing everyone's shitty relationships, the thing that seems to be the problem is that people aren't talking. Yeah. No, I. They both seem to know each other's neuroses and accept but them, they, and but they know them, but they know themselves. And I truly believe that knowing yourself is the biggest thing in a relationship. And if you know yourself and can communicate that to your partner, even if that partner isn't used to being self-aware they will start to learn because the language you use as a self-aware individual, it changes the way other people relate to you. Um, and those two being so self-aware and then being aware of each other's neuroses, I think it's a very good foundation for a for a relationship, um, more so than Carrie Fisher and the other guy who's Marie. I agree. Um, because they are like, we like each other, let's get together. But they've got to do a whole lot of getting to know each other. I can almost see Harry and Sally as like some of the older couples that they interview and just bickering, yeah. but in like a really loving kind of way. Like definitely. 
Yeah. And I think I, I guess, definitely think they stay together. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably maybe the point of having the vignettes in. That's who they're going to end up as. Um, yeah. They, no, nah, they definitely stay together. Uh, and I think, again, also think it's great that they, we don't see the wedding. Like we don't, it's not, they get, they get together. It's not, a, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it relies on some fantasy fairy tale things, but it doesn't give you the fairy tale vision. You can have like, okay, isn't it romantic? Did it right? I'm, I'm on, I'm, I'm here for that film. Like I'm here for it. I liked that film as well. Um, people saying they didn't do enough to subvert the genre. Get fucked. Like actually watch the genre and then tell me that. What's that one? Oh, sleeping with other people. Wrong. Did it wrong, in my opinion. And so I think all these, you don't have to have a happy ending for it to be satisfying. Sorry, they don't have to end up together for it to be a satisfying, happy ending. And you, there's a, so many films that have tried to emulate When Harry Met Sally with the friends to lovers thing, but what I think they always get stuck on the ending rather than what is happening in the first and second acts to inform these characters' journeys. And, and I just think that uh, scriptwriters in particular, it, they have to go back to who is the character, what is that character's journey, the two romantic heroes. Don't get stuck on the action line. Get stuck into those characters to really bring out the comedy and the, and the conflict so that they can have an organic reason to come apart, uh, to come together, come apart, and then come back together. Like, and that's, that's what we want in the rom-com and that's why these flawed characters, that's why the genre is so great because the characters' flaws are all out there. I, that's what I love about rom-coms is it's about accepting flaws or overcoming flaws. Mm. And that, you know, as someone like I'm quite interested in psychological health and yes. things like that. So I think that's why it really resonates with me is because I have so many flaws. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I and totally that, agree with that. You can tell when the writers are self-aware of their own flaws and putting those flaws in. And I think, as you as you said, like, it's Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner. Like, that's their mm. them. Um, and then you read a script by someone who is not self-aware of their of anything, but they're trying to emulate something, and that's when you can see that it's not authentic. And I think, and that's why I think that Nora Ephron's, you know, films are are so wonderful and, and sparkling. So smart, like so smart to have that that wit in the in the dialogue, and then to have those characters that are flawed but still love themselves. They're flawed but they love themselves, you know. And I think that that's really good because often, you know, I think we're told that our flaws are meant to make us not love ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we're getting close to the end. Okay. Just looking at time. If I said to you on the spot, what is your favorite rom com? What's your answer? When Harry met Sally. Okay, well that's easy then. <laughs> like the structure, the structure is really on on point. You know, like if you just look at it from a first act, from a from a three act structure, like it's all the beats are there, and um, I think that shows good filmmaking from all departments. Really, mm-hmm. you know, the edit, the script, the performances, um, the direction. So, oh no, there was one thing. Um, the I had a question around. Sally had the thing about not wanting to be alone on New Year's Eve, like, like freaking out because she was alone on New Year's Eve and wanting to leave the party. So, yeah, so they're at the party at the end and she's leaving because the, 
thought of not kissing someone on New Year's is too much. And then what's his face is like, I'll kiss you. And I wonder about, is that because she's missing Harry or is it because she really can't stand to be single at New Year's? Like, and, and because New Year's is such a big thing. I've never bought into the New Year's thing, but I know Thank people you. that do. Okay. Okay. So there's definitely, especially I think it's always been romanticized mm. and, um, you know, there's lots of movies where people kiss at New Year's and stuff like that. And it wouldn't surprise me if Sally was that romantic, that mm-hmm. she wanted that for herself and her track record of kind of, you know, dating and stuff like that would suggest she's not great with being single. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think it could be a mixture of the two that yeah. she wishes it was Harry there kissing her. Yeah. But if it yeah. wasn't, she'd still like somebody to want to be with her enough to kiss her. Yeah. Because I feel from times where I've been like too freaked out at a party uh, because everyone's together or whatever, have been times where I've wanted it I've specifically like someone and that's not working out and they're the times I want to go home. Whereas if I'm just single and not interested in anyone else, I'm like, oh, whatever. Um, so I like to think that she's actually so wants Harry but she can't deal with that and so has to leave the situation she is so she can figure out her feelings. That's my hope. And then he comes and they're together and it's lovely. And it's delightful. And it's, everyone's happy ever after. I always leave that film with a big smile on my face. It's just so beautiful. I did forget a very important okay. question. What are your thoughts and reactions on the I'll Have What She's Having scene, the most famous scene in the whole film? <laughs> it's just I remember um, as a younger person that, and probably before I'd seen the film, that scene being around and my parents having a chuckle and <laughs> I'll have what she's having. Look, Meg is all in and it is amazing. It's the most sex positive kind of bit of the whole film, so I kind of like that. But it's not funny to me. It's not a comedic moment to me. But I think the execution of it, and at the time it would have been like highly unusual, yet we're in, we're in sex positive land now, so we're like cool whatever. And I think it is progressive that he's like a bit prudish really and then she's like, you can't, you wouldn't be able to tell. And he's like, I can tell. Like that's, you know, and again, that's been replayed in other, so many other things. And just, and then the reaction from the diner and like I'll have what she's having is, I can see how that's a funny line. But overall, eh, you know. I think maybe because we've heard that line so many times, we've seen it so many times, it kind of loses its sparkle and I guess surprise. And I also really love the, the idea of that woman being Rob Rayner's mother, like she was just visiting the set that day. That's his mum. Yes, his mum. I didn't know. So it was totally ad libbed. It was totally ad libbed. Um, really? Actually, Billy okay, Crystal came right. up. Billy Crystal came up with that line, and Rob Rayner's mum happened to be on set that day and was like, "Well, I'll do it." And I just love the idea of having your mum on set while that scene is happening. Amazing. Like just. The awkwardness would have been insane, but apparently in the original script, that wasn't supposed to happen. 
like Meg Ryan was actually, they were just supposed to talk about orgasms. Meg Ryan yeah. was the one that insisted on doing the actual noises. Yeah. And then, yeah, Billy Crystal came yeah. up with the I'll have what she's having line, which I just think is great. Like it's so it's organic. And, so organic. Yeah. And that's what's the word organic a lot in this film. Definitely. Well, because it is, and that's what you get when you, you know, Rob Reiner and Billy Crystal are really good friends. Obviously, Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner are really close. Like, that's a kind of and and it's and it is such an intimate film. Like it, it they're on the screen, you know, ninety five percent, one hundred percent of the time. Like there's that's what you get. It, that's what I, I think. That's what I mean when it's like a play. Like it is that intimate feeling, and that's what happens in the process. Is these organic things, and you have a, a comedy, essentially a comedy genius like Billy Crystal, who's able to do that, and then Meg Ryan, who, like I say, is dead, like all in. Like what if I do this? Like. I'm going to, and, and then does it. Like, she is Sally. Like, I don't like her in many other films that I know of, like, but in this film, like, she is all in to that character. And I think that that's why it sparkles so much. And that's why a lot of others don't. And they think that yeah. they can rely on some scripted words for the chemistry. And it's it's not. It's not. All right, cool. So that was us talking about When Harry Met Sally. Thank you so much for your time, Georgina. You are um, very welcome. Do you want to plug anything while you no, go? Got- nothing to plug. Nothing to plug. Mate. Awesome. <laughs> Yay! Thank you to my guest, Georgina Isles. Keep an eye out for her on social media and various producing credits that hopefully she'll get in the future because she's amazing. And thank you for listening to the podcast. When Harry Met Sally is a Castle Rock Entertainment and Nelson Entertainment production. It was distributed by Columbia Pritchers. I've taken clips and the trailer from YouTube. Um, please do not sue me. But I would definitely encourage my audience to go out and buy, rent, stream When Harry Met Sally. It is amazing. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.